0: This is Steph Driver, and I am joined by Joe Fortunato from Blue Shirt Banter. And this is a little bit of a different checking out the competition. One, because I'm doing it. And two, because our guest got to request me to do this checking out the competition because he is my blog husband. Hey, Joe, how you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: Oh, you know, living the dream. It's fall in Atlanta, so we have finally hit 60 degrees.
1: Yeah, I don't. I feel like everybody talks about how nice it would be for the weather to be warm all year round. I think that would drive me crazy.
0: It is, I love
1: the fall. I like the winter. I need the cold.
0: I do too. It is an adjustment for sure. Have you heard our running joke that the Rangers play in a train station?
1: I have not heard this. I uh, heard the running joke that the Rangers play in soon to be the library, right? Or the post office, whatever that is <laughs> But... No, I have not. I have not heard of this train station you speak of. What's it called?
0: Uh, The train station.
1: Just the train station.
0: The train station. Yes.
1: <laughs> the train station, just the train station.
0: The tra- All right. So obviously they don't play in a train station anymore.
1: I mean, they kind of do play in a train station.
0: They, the Rangers play in a train station. You they heard of your folks. Station. Yep. You heard it. <laughs> so tell me, what, what the hell? What is going on with the Rangers this year? They had... The run last year, which I didn't think they were going to have, should we be expecting big things from them this year?
1: I mean, I've learned to never expect anything from the New York Rangers because all it brings is pain and misery. Um, I, I've talked about this on the website a couple of times. It's very ironic that for probably the past 12 years or so, the Rangers have been a team that largely won hockey games by playing pretty bad hockey and just getting outstanding goaltending. And, um, you know, we went through a pretty, pretty lengthy phase on the website where we were saying like, Hey, listen, it's not necessarily that you're winning games. I know that's important, but it's the way that you win games and whether or not it's sustainable and whether or not it'll take you through the playoffs and nobody really listened and we were just being negative Nancy's. Mm. And now obviously that changed the Rangers won two games in a row this weekend, but um, the Rangers are playing really, really good hockey and they just weren't winning games. They weren't able to score and everybody was panicking. And then when I'm like, well, listen, now they're playing really well and the goals are going to come and it can't last like this forever. We're carrying the team's water and we're not negative enough. So um, that's kind of my life. Nothing is ever right um, but yeah, I, I would say from from what I've seen from the Rangers through the first 10 games, I'm remarkably pleased at how well they're playing at, at even strength. This is not just a power play team anymore. Igor Shosturkin really hasn't even been that good comparatively to last year, which granted was like a historic season, but... Yeah, compared
0: to last year where he was lights out.
1: Um, you know, it it's nice to see this side of the team that's actually doing what they're supposed to be doing at even strength, and it's not just on the power play, and they're actually playing the players that you'd like to see them play, so I don't know. I'm I'm more excited, I think, than I planned on being. I was kind of expecting there to be a little bit of a fallout, but it has not come, and I think if anything the Rangers probably look a little bit better this year than they than they did last year. So
0: out of, you know, the the three general positions, what do you think is the Rangers strong suit this season? Goal tending, defense,
1: um, forwards? The easy answer to that question is Shesterkin, but I actually don't know if Shusterkin is the right answer, at least assuming that he's not going to do what he did last year, this year, I I think for the Rangers, it's genuinely their depth on offense. So I would, you know, I would say the forwards for sure. Um, You have two genuine top six lines. The Rangers have gone years without really having one. Um, the Rangers are playing or I really should say uh, Gerard Gallant is playing the right players in the bottom six. The Rangers third line when Heel gets back is pretty good. Um, the fourth line, they are playing Ryan Reeves a little bit more than I think I would like. But Jimmy VC has been a fantastic uh, tryout turned professional contract. He's one of the Rangers best defensive forwards. They have some skill that they can put down there. Um, but, you know, as I'm saying this, the Rangers defense is just it's so good. I mean, this is the first time that the Rangers have not iced some type of defensive anchor. And I'm not counting Lieber Hayek because (laughs) hopefully he's not going to play permanently, but you know, the Rangers fourth or third pairing is Zach Jones and Braden Schneider, who are two up and coming defensemen who are really good. Um, It's, it's been interesting. Like this is everything that I've wanted the Rangers to be for a really long time. And now it's here and I don't really know what to do with my hands.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned Gerard Gallant and we have a, uh, a former coach that you guys are very familiar with. Tell me about the coaching journey that the Rangers have been on over the past f- five years. It's been a mess. Hasn't it?
1: Um, I mean, I will forever have nightmares about Elaine Mignot um, I, I I, don't think there's a person in professional sports that I hate more than him um, and I'm really not like a, I'm not a uh, vengeful person if you will I just when you have Henrik Lundqvist is my favorite ranger of all time he doesn't have a ring because of Inyo so yeah. when you guys hired him I was thrilled this was the best news ever because you <laughs> destroy your franchise which is exactly what happened
0: uh, yeah um, you're not wrong
1: but, it, you know, it was interesting because when Vigneault finally, like, he had the perfect – he inherited a team that went to the Stanley Cup final. Um, everybody, you know, insinuated or, – or that's the wrong word. Everybody thought that he was the reason why the Rangers did what they did. And all the success that the Rangers had was really on the back of Henrik Lundqvist. So when Vigneault eventually went stale – and it was probably three years too late um, – The ideology was, listen, we're going to we're going to bring in a guy that plays the kids, that actually cares about the kids, that cares about the development. The Rangers fell in love with David Quinn. I kind of got behind the outside the box, you know, hiring from the NCAA level, which you guys have flashbacks with Dave Haxtell over. Oh, don't talk to
0: me. Do not mention that man's name.
1: I thought that everything was going to be honky dory. And, you know, David Quinn kind of fell into Sort of the same traps that Vigneault did, you know, not not as bad, but playing his guys, not really playing the kids, making some really stupid, just lineup decisions that that would just drive me insane. And did basically the exact opposite of what he was brought in to be. So when Gallant was hired, it, look, it was the right choice, right? And I'll tell you that Vigneault was the right choice when the Rangers hired him too. I don't think I fully understood what we were getting out of him he also had a very good goaltender in Roberto Luongo when he was in Vancouver and I think that kind of colored the picture a little bit as well but I think a lot was fine last year I can't tell you that he was probably one of the best coaches in the league I think he did a good job I will say I'm, I'm happily surprised that he seems to have learned at least a little bit of his lesson and is making some better personnel and ice time distribution decisions this year but It remains to be seen. I mean, you you really find out what you have in somebody when the water is boiling and the water really hasn't been boiling for the Rangers yet. So um, we will see what comes of that when it does, but so far pleasantly surprised.
0: I'm so grouchy that you keep bringing up excellent goaltending. And like, we just don't, we haven't had that until Carter Hart. Um, And when, Carter Hart started to go to crumble under the pressure of the pandemic and Elaine Vigneault couldn't lean on him the way that he had earlier. Um, everything fell apart. So the fact well, this
1: that. Is, I'm going to take a, an opportunity to just fucking. Oh, can I curse on this podcast? <laughs> yes. Now that I dropped it. Yes. Um, I'm going to take an opportunity to just really kick dirt on Vigneault a little bit more.
0: Oh, do it. Yeah. We're all real mad at him.
1: He's he can be a very effective coach when his machine works the way it's supposed to. The Rangers had some of their better offensive performances under Vigneault. The problem is he really doesn't know how to build the machine and the machine demands. You have goaltenders who, when the quick breaks don't go your way when those fast odd man rushes don't go your way you need a goaltender who's going to be able to backstop the mistakes that come from playing quick through the neutral zone and trying to lead those fast breaks so it does not surprise me that when Carter Hart sort of fumbled to an extent right because you're asking a lot of your goaltender I mean yeah you're talking between Lundqvist and Luongo, you have two hall of fame goaltenders that, that Vigneault has pretty much painted his resume with. Mm -hmm. You're asking a lot from them and it just, it, the machine falls apart when that aspect of things isn't there. And when they're not covering the mistakes and he's playing the wrong players or not, you know, playing Dan Girardi, 25 minutes a night. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just so many things that go wrong and I have never met a human being who has worse a, a worse ability to look in the mirror and say, "Hey, listen, this is a mistake that I've made. Here's how I need to adjust. I think I used to make the jo- the joke that you know Elaine Vanille is the type of man who would uh, sleep with a woman last about twelve seconds and then be like, "Well, you were just terrible." You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's the type of guy that he is, and that's the kind of coach that he is. And, um, it's just, it's not, it's not a good scene. And I I hope he remains in hockey purgatory forever.
0: That would be, that would be preferable. All right. So, Or he can
1: go back to the Flyers, which is fine. Now I will say, I'll tell you this.
0: Can he go to Pittsburgh? Like let's ruin their day. Yeah. He
1: can go to Pittsburgh. He can go to the Islanders. Yeah. You know, any of those, any of the devils, although Lindy Ruff is at the devils. I feel like the Rangers have just shed their terrible coaching decisions onto their division rivals, which is fantastic. Um, I will say I love John Tortorella. That's
0: where I, I was gonna go I, next. I more.
1: love John Tortorella. I I think he is he's a really good dude. There are times when John Tortorella is a really good coach. I think he does a lot of things really, really well. I love him. I will always love him. I harbor no resentment for John Tortorella. I think he's fantastic. I don't know if I want him coaching my hockey team, but I love John Tortorella.
0: Okay. Tell me more about that. Why, why don't, why are you unsure about his coaching abilities?
1: Uh, It's not that I'm necessarily unsure about his coaching abilities. It's more so that John Tortorella also gets, and and I'm going to preface this by saying when John Tortorella was the coach of the New York Rangers, his assistant coach was Mike Sullivan, who has since won a series of Stanley cups with the Pittsburgh penguins. And when Tortorella, like there was never even a thought that Sullivan was a man in the wings. There just wasn't like the power play was his responsibility. It was a nightmare. Um, The, I don't think the penalty kill was under him, but like there was no, no one was like, Oh, Mike Sullivan, you know, could be a really good coach. And when he got fired, Mike Sullivan reinvented himself to an extent and now has become, you know, a Stanley cup winning coach who is probably one of the better coaches in the NHL. Yep. John Tortorella adjusted himself from Vancouver because don't forget when he got fired in New York, he went to Vancouver for a hot second before he went to Columbus.
0: I will never forget John Tortorella in Vancouver because that was the whole locker room
1: Correct. John Tortorella has balls as big as the building there. There is not a man who cares more about his hockey players than John Tortorella does. And one of the things that I think Tortorella does so well, and people haven't figured it out yet. When the pressure is on his hockey team in the playoffs, God willing, the Flyers never make it back there.
0: (laughs) They probably won't at this rate.
1: And the pressure's on and a star player is not performing like it's Rick Nash or Brad Richards or whatever it is. John Tortorella has a way of pissing everybody off and making the story about John Tortorella. Yeah. And people think that it's, oh, John Tortorella is just an asshole. John Tortorella doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. John Tortorella is just a piece of shit. It's not true. He's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. He does it because then everyone's talking about John Tortorella and they're not talking about what he doesn't want them to talk about, which is Rick Nash not being able to score in the playoffs. And, you know, the mistake that Dan Girardi made, you know what I mean? Like it just, Mm -hmm. it puts all of the pressure on him and that's the way he likes it. And there is not a single person that cares more about their players than John Tortorella, even the ones that he doesn't like.
0: And you mentioned that in between New York and Vancouver, he kind of reinvented his himself, or at least his systems. And I think that we saw that in Columbus too. He, he's definitely done different things in each of his stops. And I've found in Philadelphia so far, and it hasn't been that many games, but they've won more than they've lost, which is shocking for what I was expecting this season. They're second in the Metro, which again, Shocking, not going to last, but we're having a good time.
1: Yeah, you know it's when you talk about, and that that was the point I was going to get to, right? That Tortorella has sort of he he, look the the knock on on Torts was always that he wears out his welcome. Always, owners get sick of him, general managers get sick of him. There's a lot of PR that comes with John Tortorella. It, it's it. There's just, there's a lot that goes into him being the coach of your hockey team. Yeah. And he's going to piss players off. He's going to piss fans off. The running story was that when he got fired in New York, there was pretty much a mutiny from the players in their exit interviews. And there was no, you know, there was no way the Rangers could just keep him, mm. but he did not where is welcome out in Columbus. He, no. he lasted the entirety of that contract. He left them, although that, that relationship was kind of coming to an end, but you know, that John Tortorella, the John Tortorella that, that does figure out how to kind of play between the white lines a little bit. I think that guy can be a good hockey coach. Now here's what the, the biggest knocks on torts. He plays his top guys. Yeah, He runs his top guys. He doesn't care He, he played Lundquist, you know, 72 games a year. He would run his top line, um, you know, 24, 24 minutes a night. Like the best John Tortorella story of all time was the Rangers triple overtime win against um, triple overtime win against Washington way back when, I think it was like 2010 Gabrick scored the game winner. Uh, The Rangers there was three overtimes. I think Ryan McDonough led the team with like 62 minutes or something of ice time. Ryan Callahan had like 49 minutes, close to 50 Pickle Played three minutes, <laughs> literally like three minutes and 40 seconds. Like this is, that's the Tortorella way. Like John Tortorella, he plays his guys. If you are one of his guys, you are one of his guys. It is what it is. So, you know, that tends to wear its itself over the course of a hockey season um you have to earn yourself to get in his good graces but more so than like I'm not even talking playing veterans over kids it's a lot to to not evenly distribute your ice time and I don't know enough about his time in Columbus to tell you if that really changed or not but I do know that was one of the things that really just kind of took away from his time in New York and and definitely you know it just it's it's hard to play hockey like that it really is
0: yeah, well the good news about the Flyers is that we don't have a top line, it just doesn't exist. We have two you know, middle middle lines, you know, maybe two third lines, maybe a third and a half.
1: I mean, he lived that way in New York, so. Yeah, that's that's great. what
0: we got here. Like our superstars are Carter Hart, who's a 24-year-old goaltender, and everyone else is hurt. So we have – it's it's a really entertaining time to have a coach who is known to be a hard-ass, who is known to – like, we know this. We know he plays his guys, that he's got this group of dudes, that that's, that's his core. He doesn't have a chance to do that here right now. So we're seeing him do things differently. um And I think that he's really – from his what was it, a year, two years where he was a an analyst, I think he's taken a look at the rest of the league and, and cherry-picked things that he liked. And he seems to be a really intelligent coach that way.
1: He I uh, torts is very, very smart. Um he's smart in in like the say he understands the game. I think where John Tortorella still get, and you, you triggered like a a core memory in me for some reason. I think it was last year uh, in the playoffs when Tortorella was an analyst and McDavid was doing like silly shit. He was just doing silly stuff. And Torrance was like, Oh, you can't win in the playoffs doing stuff like that. And it's like, no, bro. Like he's the best player in the NHL. That's how you win in the playoffs, right? Like you do silly shit. Artemi Panarin should do silly shit. That's why he's so good. And little things like that, like John Tortorella has a way that he expects to win hockey games. And then I just say, there is not a better fit in terms of like personalities than Tortorella in Philly. I know you you guys are going to fucking love him. You really are. Especially when you get like to the nitty gritty and, I mean, when Tortorella talks shit about like the Penguins and Malkin and like it, it just gave me life back in the day. No one had ever done something like that before, you know, the Rangers had Tom Rennie before they had John Tortorella. Like there's not a more (laughs) polite human being on the planet, I would think than Rennie. So it just, you know, he's a really good fit for the flyers. The question is going to be when you talk about adjustments, I do think he's sort of eased himself away from Maybe some of his harder stances, but like that aspect of things—the aspect of okay, I need to I need to let my skill guys kind of go a little crazy and not worry so much about the defense and do what they need to be. Like that aspect of things has to be there in order to succeed in today's NHL. It's just the way it is. And I remember that comment and hearing it, and being like, "That's not something that's going to get you a head coaching job anytime soon." And then there came the Flyers. So. Uh-huh. Now he's here, but like that—that is where he's very smart. He—he there was a story, and I don't know if he still does this. Like John Tortorella lays out the entire year before the year starts. Every off day the Flyers will have from this point forward, he's already put in a calendar. It's done. He already figured it out. So he knows what he wants. It's just a matter of actually getting there. And listen, the Rangers succeeded under Tortorella. They went to the Eastern conference final under Tortorella. Um, But, you know, and he's won the Stanley cup in, in Tampa and that, that the safest death, John Tortorella that won that Stanley cup was not the coach. The Rangers got, Mm. they got a, you know, shell and grind, like the grinding block shots you know, score if you can, New York Rangers. That was led by John Tortorella. And it works. The Rangers have the pieces in place for that to work. But um, that guy's not going to win in today's NHL. And I don't think he was really that guy in Columbus, but he definitely can't be that guy and succeed now. The game is just too different.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the level the level of talent on the Flyers, John Tortorella is going to outlast the highest level of talent in Philly by a, a long margin, I believe, except for Carter Hart. You know, he'll be around for the next ten years, at least. John Tortorella will will survive the the next handful of of draft classes, I think, because he is such a great personality fit for the city, um, and and fans really want players to be punished right now because we're mad at them, and that's the guy that's going to do
1: it. I mean, he held players accountable. It didn't matter who they were, which was a game that Vigneault like. Vigneault had three players that he would hold accountable, and they were all kids. Yep. And then you know Dan Girardi could piss on the on the locker room floor, and nothing would have happened to him. But not that Dan Girardi would do that; he's a great guy. Um, you know, he it just have. It, he could have. It just you know Vigneault played favorites. Torts plays favorites too, in terms of ice time distribution but I don't care. Like if Panarin fucked up, Panarin fucked up and he's going to sit on the bench, which sometimes to Tortorella's detriment, like sometimes you have to play favorites for your best players. You know what I mean? But it doesn't matter. So if you want accountability, you're going to get accountability from John Tortorella. No questions asked.
0: Yeah. He's already, he's already benched Travis Konechny and Kevin Hayes. Like that's, we like that. We're happy that it's not one scapegoat anymore, which is what it has been for the past handful. And you know,
1: I'm thinking about this too. Go back, if you're a Flyers fan and you really want to see like the inside roots of John Tortorella, go go watch the, what was it, 24-7? What was the HBO series?
0: Yeah,
1: 24-7. Go watch the Rangers Flyers 24-7 series on HBO. You'll get all the looks at John Tortorella that you want. And you get to watch the Flyers again when Claude Giroux was there and, you know.
0: When it wasn't full pain and torture.
1: But but like, you'll you'll get a good idea. I mean, there's a a slew of Tortorella, like, locker room moments in there Mm -hmm. that it'll give you a pretty good insight of what you're dealing with with this guy. Yeah. Because I don't think that part of him has changed.
0: I had a great interview with him before the season started where I, I really tried to press him on what he wants to see out of this season. Like what would be a success? And he wouldn't answer it, which I think was really smart because this team is a mess. So, all right, we're coming up on, you've got a meeting coming up. So three minutes, what can we expect out of the Rangers This year, who should we watch out for except, you know, the names we know. We know Panera and we know Fox. We know Shosturkin. Who else should we be on the lookout for? And what do you expect to happen when they meet the Flyers? I think it's tomorrow, Tuesday night.
1: Um, I I I will not venture a guess as to what happens when they meet the Flyers. The Fly based on the way that like former Rangers are playing and coaches are playing against the Rangers, the Flyers are gonna win like 40-nothing.
0: Oh, you have um, that you have that fun little
1: We also have that fun little uh that like disease of disease. oh, you used to be on this team. Yeah, we're gonna lose to you. Yeah. Um I I'll I'll say from an optimistic standpoint, it sounds silly to say this. Like Lafreniere and Kako are um the, the the way that they've grown since the playoff run last year mm. the points aren't there yet but Lafreniere is generating the most individual goal scoring chances of anyone on the Rangers just watching Cocco play is it's it's a thing of beauty like he's actually using his body the way that he's supposed to these guys are so young you know you forget that last year Lafreniere I mean the two of them got to the 80 game mark like in 2 years because of yeah. covid So you kind of forget that the the linear trajectory that you've gotten used to, trajectory that you've gotten used to from a lot of you know first round picks, isn't there for them. And your friend uh, Dave Haxtell is uh, currently sitting Shane Wright, I think, three games in a row in Seattle. So he
0: sure is. um, It could
1: it could be worse, but I, I really think that the Rangers are in a very strange place right now. They really don't have money without making major moves for this core. To exist in the way it exists, really more than next year, if even next year. So it doesn't feel like it has to be win now, but it kind of is because you're gonna you're gonna have to make some some pretty drastic adjustments, um, and I'm terrified at what those will be. I, I mean, Chris Drury I think has done a pretty serviceable job as a general manager um i think he's he's actually probably done a little bit better than that I, i've been really impressed with some of the things i've seen him do but i don't know i feel like we are at a point now where you know it's kind of shit or get off the pot for the rangers not that this window is not going to be open they're they're i think they're still one of the youngest teams in the league but this team is not going to look like this that much longer and that's kind of a terrifying thought.
0: Mm. I do not love that because they're so young and so terrifying. But hopefully, the Flyers will beat them 5 2 tomorrow, and then they don't have to win for the rest of the season. There you go. Perfect. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. It was a blast talking thank to you. Thank you, Steph.
1: I appreciate this. We
0: will continue to haunt your nightmares as Flyers fans. And I believe that you will do the same for us. You
1: try, I'll do my best.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Joe.
1: Thank you.